like what are Doritos? Are they tortilla chips? Yeah, they're tortilla chips. But well, you eat them like potato chips, though. It's well, not like I mean, you're going to dip a Dorito into salsa, are you? There's people who dip Doritos. Who? <laughs> You'll get cheese dust all over your salsa. <laughs> Hola, como estas? Welcome to Films of Fika, the podcast where we have Fika and talk about film. Today's film that we're going to talk about is the uh, Christopher Nolan recently premiered Tenet. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host Mao, who's a Mexican that has a little bit too much free time on his hands and only watches highbrow films. And I... Algot, who is a um, disgusting person and a potato enthusiast. Mm. I think those are great synopsises of our lives. I think that summarizes it pretty much. Welcome, welcome, mm. anyone. Uh, but first, what's on your mind today? It's hot. I'm drinking iced coffee. I feel like a basic bitch. And I am currently in the middle of moving. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Moving is exhausting. I think you're in a similar process from what I can see. Yeah. There's only a plant behind you I, I where there up, used to be a shit ton of stuff. Yeah, I hung up a picture of some hot dogs in order to fill out the space. <laughs> I don't dislike the process of moving, though. I like just throw things in the boxes and then just go. It's a more, to me, it's a bigger hassle to unpack it. To the thing is like like everything want... but moving once you have moved that's when i struggle to actually get going i have to put all the pictures and everything up the same day or else it's never gonna happen it's gonna stay in the boxes the thing is for me like moving comes down to like it's how you really notice how much useless crap you've accumulated over the years mm -hmm. and so it's like i'm moving and at the same time i'm trying to get rid of or donate or simply like let go of some of the shit that i've had for yeah. years where it's like i am never gonna wear this again i'm never gonna use this again i haven't used this in years like you know so it's a it's a process do you feel like that's difficult for you though i usually go by the how i met your mother rule of like if you haven't used it within the, I think they go by five years. I usually go like three years. If I haven't used it in a significant amount of time, I'm just going to really get rid of it. It's going to hurt a little bit, but I haven't used it in so long. So yeah, yeah. get rid of it. Uh, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be as econ economical with it as possible, where it's like, uh -huh. dude, I'm not going to carry this around for longer than it should have been in my presence. So yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, live by that it's harder though uh i'm not a hoarder necessarily but i am someone who tends to accumulate stuff especially because i've moved around to different countries and um for school and stuff and so i've i just accumulate shit over the mm -hmm. years because of that i find it difficult to decide what to do with nostalgic items because i have like boxes full of just old papers and pictures and stuff that have nostalgic value but they have been in a mm. box that's difficult to throw out for me like uh, it's not gonna, like i'm gonna hang it on the wall or ever gonna have a use for it but maybe yes maybe you're gonna appreciate it more 
when you're older. At least that's what I've been told. So that's why they're mm -hmm. in boxes in the basement, in the storage unit. So how did you feel about going to the movies? Because I, I was a little bit iffy about it. I was iffy about it, sure, a little bit. Just like, like when I go to public transport during a pandemic and everything, I, I get a little bit claustrophobic. The cinema is obviously very safe and with the amount of people, but we are spending two hours together in that sort of what that one room. So I don't know. I get a little bit iffy at times and a little bit uncomfortable with the situation that I'm in. Hmm. Even though it's proper, I guess. Yeah. I was honestly, I was so relaxed about it once I got to the movie theater because they are actually taking a lot of care, at least to the theater that I went to. Um, you can see very clearly that they need people to go back to them and that they want people to go back to them and How feel so? safe. They are. You know, like you might go to a restaurant and they are following like the regulations that they need to follow. Yeah. But some people just go the extra mile. And I don't know if it was the theater that I went to or whatever, but it just felt like, you know, they understand that they need people to start going back to the theaters if they want to stay open. Mm -hmm. So everyone is like super protective. Everyone is taking it seriously. Everything is being sanitized. Like there's no funny business. Um, the amount of people per theater room is so minimal. It's kind of like a joke. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it was fine. I honestly, I loved, I loved going back to the movie theater. I, it's something that I think both of us live for in terms of experiences and, and what we like doing. Yeah. First of all, like maybe, yeah, I, I went, I went to the local cinema, the smaller and crappy. Maybe that adds to my unease uh, mm. going there. I, that could be for sure. Um, because it was already kind of crappy and gross-like. No, but um, I sat down in the theater and I was like, well, honestly, this was not like... Psh. I can see you romanticizing it a whole bunch. But for, this movie was not necessarily a film that you have to see on movie, cinemas. It wasn't one of those epics. But um, yeah, I don't. Um, I, I maybe I was just in the mood where I would just as well be at home in my couch, <laughs> overpriced makes popcorn makes and sense. uncomfortable seating. Yeah, I don't. Maybe you should go to better theaters. <laughs> maybe I should go to better theaters. <sighs> I mean, I get the overpriced popcorn and I get all of that, but um, no, man, I had a blast. I had a really good time. <laughs> I do feel like you've been building up theaters way more or like subconsciously it's affected me more <laughs> than I thought it did. And now when I'm actually back at the theaters, I'm like, what's the hype all about realistically? But I, I am usually I just... more picky. I don't necessarily have to go to see a premiere just because it's a premiere, unless it's star wars i guess but then also mm. star wars is one of those epics you know what i mean right movies that are mm -hmm. better in the cinema um whether it's be that there are like big ass action sequences and a lot of vfx and cool stuff but something like godzilla is not a great film but it's gonna be 
a better experience in the cinema than it's gonna be at home mm. or on a laptop for that matter i don't know i feel like obviously like you said there's uh, there's a reason and it's obvious that out of the two of us the one who reminds us is going to the theater is me because i honestly feel like there's like i feel like every movie should be seen in the in the big screen obviously mm-hmm. there's movies that are enhanced by it but i don't think there's ever a movie where you're like yeah i, I would have enjoyed this the same if i was in my couch um what about movies that are better alone are they better to go alone to the theater or better alone in your couch at home well for me like i don't go to the movie theater with people who speak to me during the movie oh no so you know it's not like i feel like i'm with someone necessarily Mm -hmm. um but for example like i saw marriage story last year was it last year two years ago whatever whenever it came out last year yeah and it's uh it's a netflix movie so i could have just watched it on netflix but you know i had the opportunity to go watch it in the theater and i fucking loved it <laughs> and you know it's not like a this huge action-packed movie it's it's a it's a very heavy drama and i enjoyed it a lot being in the movie theater and i think like i understand why filmmakers romanticize it and i understand why filmmakers are so adamant about their shit going to the movie theater uh, there's yeah. something yeah, about yeah. it uh-huh. you know um i just feel like when there when it comes to drama such as uh marriage story um it's just so grounded and set in real reality that um sure it might be that if you are on the big screen you will be more immersed in this real life movie but I feel like different from, you know, Godzilla, that is obviously sci-fi and fantasy, whatever. Um, mm. But I feel like yeah, me just as a person will be just as immersed, dip, dip, no matter the screen size. Good audio matters, though, it does. But I also yeah. really enjoy stretching out on a couch. I feel kind of restricted in a theater seat. Um, I'll tell you this though, like my biggest thing about watching movies outside of a theater is that I live with other people and you know, if I'm watching a movie at home, people will come up to me or like the, the, it's not as (laughs) sacred of a time because you know, I'm there and supposedly I'm available because to them, I'm just watching a movie, right? To them, it's just like, why can't you get up right now and help me with this thing that I need help with? And if I'm in the theater, it's like no one can bother me. Well, no, that's true. They're shitty moviegoers, but and your phone should overall. be off or at least in flight mode or something. So exactly. there's no distraction there either. That's true. I do. Uh, I do respect that. It is difficult though because you can't pause the film, hey? So you can't go to the bathroom. <laughs> And like, I understand that there's people who, who really, you know, have that as a thing and it, and that's completely fair, but personally, I just, I enjoy, I enjoy the movie theater. I really, really do. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it for certain movies. Um, there's, it's rare and I, I kind of feel like I, I wish I went to premieres more often just because for box office reasons, I want to, at least filmmakers that I want to support. Hmm. Um, most even more importantly, indie filmmakers, the premiere weekend matters more for box office, etc. Naturally, mm-hmm. so for that reason, I kind of wish I went to premieres more often. But to me, it matters more whether or not it's a movie that 
should or needs to be watched in theaters. That's what I value mm. when I decide what film to see in theaters for sure. Because to me, timing is not that big of an issue. Interesting quick question though, and I think we might have asked this already in podcast in that case, keep it short, but is going to the theater as a date a good concept? We have spoken about it. We have, right? Uh, but just like really quickly, if it's not a first date, sure. Also, depends on the movie that you're going to watch. Like, be mindful of A, the person that you're going with, B, the movie that you're going to go watch, and mm. C, what you're doing before and after. But as a first date, I think it's stupid. On what a about- first date, you need to figure this out, <laughs> like a chemistry thing. I still argue that you could go for uh, dinner before or after. Um, the movie and talk about it that, that's an easy conversation starter uh what mm. about later into let's say a relationship like years after maybe you even have a kid the, the theater would be a pretty good getaway from that then again you're oh, not 100%. necessarily spending time with each other some theaters are very practical where you can fold up the um armrest and cuddle though i guess mm. you know what i know i think I, yeah yeah I really wish that they still existed to the extent that they did, but I've never gone to a uh, drive-in theater. Those are dope, man. I wish. Those are starting to become a big thing, like, mm-hmm. again, here like in Mexico. Like a hipster kind of a thing? Of the whole... Well, and oh, also no. because of COVID. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, they reopened the old venues, or do you know? No, they... No, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. From what I understand, they, they found new venues and stuff, but... Because it's a big-ass park you need to but i guess there is space all over if you just look for it enough yeah no that that sounds dope to me just bring a picnic blanket drive up in a car and do whatever you want in the car i guess um, i would like to try it out of course you might you're not necessarily focusing on the movie at a driving mm. theater I'm not saying you're doing anything suggestive wow. here, <laughs> but right. um, it's like there's a reason why drive-in theaters, at least the ones that still exist, usually play, uh, what's it called? Dawn of the Dead? And old yeah, yeah, retro like movies that... Genre movies, yeah. Yeah, that are old and cheap, but you don't really necessarily have to and won't pay much attention to it. It's more of an experience rather than going to see a movie because you're going to be bothered by other cars and stuff mm-hmm. the trailer for dune came out looks fucking is, dope it looks fucking dope Denis Villeneuve is making things with that movie that i think are so <laughs> insane like just in terms of cast the cast though what the hell oh my that cute little boy from that gay film and and <laughs> and that old guy that is in most films existing like the cast go on yeah it's insane i feel like he is the type of filmmaker that a lot of us aspire to do in the sense that he started making films that he enjoyed and that he's very passionate about, but he knew they were just stepping stones towards the actual films that he wanted to make, which is like all of these sci-fi projects that he's been doing lately. And uh, he, I honestly don't have a movie of his that I don't like. And he's one of the few like, filmmakers that I've seen in all of his films, including some of his shorts, because I had to for school. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, he's fucking dope, man. And uh, I'm excited as hell. It looks dope. All of it is practical, like the sets and the locations. It's going to be insane, man. It's going to be so cool. <laughs> I I just love Denny for his human approach to that kind of sci-fi. It's never like, it's always so... I, I feel like realistic would be the wrong words to use, but it feels it feels so real when he t- makes his own take. It would be it will be interesting though. Like hmm, I'm not sure how he works necessarily, but Dune is a pure uh, remaster. No, isn't it? Is it supposed to be like a sequel? Do we know even? It's so basically it'll adapt the book that came out. It's more according to the book than the film. Yeah, it, it's adapting the book that came out, uh, I think, during the 70s. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, yeah. The novel has the same name. It was written by Frank Herbert. I think that's his name. And um, so basically he's adapting the book. He doesn't have anything to do, like the, the new movie will not have anything to do with the David gotcha. Lynch version of it that came out mm-hmm. a couple decades ago. No, for sure. But... um. It definitely feels like the right type of story, though, for him to make as it's... Yeah, man, it looks cool. It's very apocalyptic, and I feel like the characters... uh, His characters are always so flushed out, but with the cast Mm -hmm. that he has for this film, like, goddamn! I'm almost afraid there's too many characters in this case. I don't... Mm. Of course, we don't know how big the characters are. The names are huge, but the characters might not be as big. It seems by the look of this uh, teaser trailer, whatever type of trailer it is, that mm-hmm. there's a lot of people on screen, though. I feel like what I enjoy about his sci-fi is exactly what you said before. Is just he's done uh, Arrival and Blade Runner 2049, and they're both movies that feel so different from each other. Like you can see his voice, you can see his hand and his vision. But he definitely manages to create worlds and characters that feel like their own breathing, living thing. Mm. And, you know, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting mostly because I feel with Dune, it's a different kind of sci-fi just because now you're actually talking about, um, you know, a, a different planet that is not Earth and like all of this like world building that he didn't have to do in Blade Runner because he had the the really Scott version to do most of that for him. Yep. And it, he didn't have to do it in Arrival because he was very grounded in, you know, mm-hmm. our now, like our present reality. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he approaches the whole world building aspect of it. That's interesting. That's true. And um, especially if he's using the book as a bigger adaptation of how to visualize that mm. from written text into movie. And uh, yeah, it's always interesting when when uh, nerds read books. <laughs> Those nerds, I never <laughs> read books. Um, it's always interesting to see their reaction. I think that says... Uh, quite a bit about an adaptation, how much it's taking the book into respect, whether that is necessary or not. Might that could be your own call, but um, I find it funny to see people's reaction to the character that they have visualized after reading the book or certain props, even. Mm. 
and how different they are or how similar and good they are. Interesting mm. thing, it doesn't really matter <laughs> for the film ultimately, uh, as they are completely different <laughs> mediums. You know. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah. We can jump into our recommendations yes, for the week, so. Alvat. What's your what's what do your, you have in store? What's your recommendation? Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah, go first. Oh my god. This is <laughs> unprecedented. <laughs> you always go first. It's like you have no respect. I can um, go first if you want to. <laughs> All right, Alza, you and I know that I have a soft spot for creature movies. I like oh, yeah. creature movies like Alien. Uh, I talked about Underwater. We talked about it when we saw Sphere. I think creature movies are fucking dope. Uh, and because of, you know, the lack of new movies coming out and stuff, I've been trying yeah. to like dig in and I'm trying to watch as many new releases as possible. <laughs> and uh there's Catch this movie up. that came out recently this year uh and it's a russian film which i know mm. is a turnoff for a lot of people because of subtitles mm. or whatever but Fuck hear me out this is a great film for you if you don't like subtitles or if you think subtitles are boring because the movie's so cool and so enthralling that you're just in it for the ride the movie's called sputnik mm. um and it's directed by igor abramenko I'm sorry if I butchered that, by the way. And uh, it's set in uh, Cold War, Soviet era, Russia. And uh, it deals with a, uh, an alien and it deals with a creature. And I don't want to say more. And I don't recommend you watch the trailer because that shit spoils some major plot points. I don't get it. Oh, no. But it's really cool. It's, it's like... Go watch it. It's really well made. I thought it was an interesting twist. I think the creature design was awesome cool. because sometimes when it when it mm -hmm. comes to like aliens, you start getting a little bit generic and a little bit repetitive. And this one kind of nails this fresh new take on it. Mm -hmm. Also, I think that Soviet era space travel has something really cool about it aesthetically. And uh, it yeah. was dope, man. It was just really dope. And I, I think... People should watch it if they have a chance. It's worth it, for sure. Lovely. Uh, what do you have in store for us, Algat? It's always fun with uh, creature movies that presumably have a lower budget. And oh, yeah, totally. But it, like, yeah. they make it work. And I feel that's what's mm -hmm. the most fun about creature movies, yeah. is that they're usually made by people who have a limited budget. And so they like <gasps> have to figure everything out and how it's going to work. And then, yeah. you know... Whether it, that it, be shooting around it in a literal sense or just lighting it differently, editing, it, it requires more expertise in your craft and it's, it, it heightens it mm. 100%. Speaking of creatures and similar, I don't even know what's aliens, I guess. I know what I cannot recommend that I saw recently and that's um, Venom. <laughs> Oh my God. Yes. Uh -huh. Dude, I have been so excited. Uh, Netflix, you know, I, I always stalk Netflix because currently I feel like Netflix has a pretty bad catalog. Option. Catalog, yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I spend a lot of time on Netflix as um, coming up, like it's going to be released soon. And Venom has been on the uh, up and coming movie 
for quite some time and ever since venom came out i've been like oh, that looks like shit and everybody is like dude that movie is shit and i'm like oh my god i want to watch it <laughs> so i finally did fell asleep to it uh it's not a good film no um, and you know I've, I've kind of like seen i saw some screenshots from that one scene with the um the female venom and holy shit man venom with titties is next level <laughs> so that is a movie that i will not recommend but it's hilarious if you want to see it does that make sense probably not oh yeah no it makes sense it's a shitty movie i agree i hated every second of it it's great the, if you want to laugh at it yeah like that movie should have never been pg-13 i think that was their first oh. mistake oh uh, yeah I don't know if it would have been better if it had a higher rating, though. It would have been more fun, man. Like, at least I get some blood, guts, <laughs> and, like, you know, fucked up human beings dying, you know? But honestly, guess, it's so like, vanilla. They took one of the edgiest comic book characters and they made him so hmm. vanilla it hurts to watch. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I've only been exposed to Venom within movie adaptations so the other one would be spider-man and that's also pg-13 so i don't yeah that was i guess i don't really know that side of him the actual recommendations of the week from me is a film that we've spoken about previously on the uh, podcast and i finally saw about time did you like it because if you didn't like it i don't think we can be friends i loved it <laughs> you don't have to worry oh my god so I love time travel, hey? I have a few things about About Time. Wow. Uh, that I'm not entirely sure that the time travel aspect makes sense in every scene. <laughs> or how Fair. it works. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. that doesn't matter because About Time is an amazing movie. It's very much of like, you know, a, uh, a uh, partnership. Now, what do you call it? It's like a... It's more about the couple... Than that one person and i love the take on that and it's so much it's not your typical cliche romantic movie either and it has ups and downs and ins and outs and just the journey that it takes you through so cool mm -hmm. it's a very good movie that isn't feel good isn't romantic isn't sci-fi even though it has time travel in it it's just very nice it's just very nice. It's so nice. And it's so funny. And I honestly, mm. I mm. love the living crap out of that it's, film. It's very, it so good. It's very British. Um, yeah, 100%. And I mean, like, the thing is, I love when you get to see some actor that is now super huge when they were, like, uh -huh. in tiny roles. And I totally forgot that Margot Robbie was in this film until I saw it recently. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Margot Robbie. It's like a low-key amazing film it's it's just what it's supposed to be in every best way possible so about yeah. time is my recommendation lovely recommendation so be I love before that. before we head into tenet can i just try and explain my feelings towards nolan because i feel like i might they're important no i i just feel like i need to clarify things for possible <laughs> people who've been listening to previous episodes but which by the way why are you listening to more than one episode of our podcast doesn't make sense to me i think it's because of your beautiful mustache oh yeah 
Well, that's only been here for two episodes now. No. You should totally watch the uh, video podcast version on YouTube. Uh, www.com slash... No, that's not how that works. Film some mm-hmm. on YouTube. Watch the video version if you if you feel like watching my beautiful stash. I feel like I've been hating on Nolan a whole bunch in mm. previous episodes. Yes. But I stand by it. I do believe he's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go the different way with that where you were like, but you know, he's actually like, I enjoy his movies, but you're like, no, well, man, I'm sticking with my arguments. This is where I'm planting my flag. This is what I mean, right? I am the master. I'm the king of double standards and morals and everything good. I mm-hmm. am. But Nolan, I love his movies, but I th- feel like he's overrated despite okay. that. Like... um the prestige and memento are movies that really stands out of his to me. Yeah. And I love them for it. Inception has amazing concepts. Interstellar is cool, I guess. <laughs> no, but um, he's a great filmmaker, but I, I guess I, I don't love filmmakers that are pretentious to the point where they wear suits on set and he has, he doesn't have a smartphone and yada, yada. He's old school and all of that. And I feel like that is a little bit over the top. Like, I don't know. To my experience, I feel like a lot of people are praising him to be the epitome of a filmmaker that you can be. And he's just a master and everything. I don't think he's that. He's amazing. But Memento tops my list. And that was one of his earlier mainstream movies. Mm. I I feel like you can do better than Nolan, honestly. Oh, Dunkirk came out recently. That was pretty stellar. So he's a good filmmaker, but I feel like he's getting more <laughs> praise than he deserves. There are so much more out there than Inception. I mean, Inception is not the best best concept, even though it's very high concept and so difficult to understand. It really wasn't. So I don't feel like I explained it necessarily much better, but that's where I stand with Nolan. Mm. Should I clarify something? Is it is it too no, much? No, I think you I think you've been very I think you're clear. And you see, this is funny to me because I <clears throat> I don't care about him as a person personally. Uh yeah. I think you know, like he can be whoever he wants to be on his head. Uh there's things that he does filmmaking wise that I think, you know, just make sense to me. Um in how I would want to run my own sets if I ever get to to do that again. Um, his movies, though, man, I really enjoy his fucking movies. And I think I've talked about it before on the podcast, but mm. Inception has a big part to play with when it comes to me making film and me wanting to make film. Uh, Inception was the first movie that kind of made me go, how the hell do you get to have this be a thing? Like, how how do people make movies? Where do you go? How do you, you know, what's the behind the scenes work? Mm-hmm. That's the first mm-hmm. time that that happened. And that led me down this road of, you know, film school and all the other stuff that we've been through together. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like when it comes to his movies... Uh, I'm good at handling my expectations of them because I don't like all of them. I personally, I enjoyed Dunkirk. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot, but I still think it's not even my top 
fave, like my top two, right? Like at all. Like it's good, and I enjoyed mm. it, and I can totally see what he was doing with it. Yeah. And most of the criticisms that people have against it, I actually defend. Like this whole idea of him not giving names to his characters and all of this like where is the emotion where's all this like saving private ryan aspect of this war movie where it's like he's not american he's not celebrating war that's the whole point of the movie (laughs) um yep yeah so yeah i feel like when it comes to nolan i enjoy I enjoy high concept. I enjoy that his pretentiousness comes from the fact that he wants to craft an experience for you as a moviegoer. And uh, I appreciate that because I think he nails it every time. I do feel one aspect. Oh, we haven't even spoken about Batman The Dark Knight. That one is amazing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, That's true. I do. I do appreciate. I still like Tim Burton's trilogy the most. I do. But uh, regardless... That, that was not where I was going. Um, <laughs> I feel like the the thing that people get hung up on with Nolan is the fact that he loves doing things practical and builds sets and travels to location and glorifies it so much. And I'm like, that's great and all. Cool. If you're going to flip a truck in the dark night, that's great. That's going to make for great cinema. Yada, yada. Shoot an IMAX for all that I care. But like, but like, I feel like he's overly glorified as the person who only does practical things. Mm. Of course, in uh, Interstellar, he did most of the effects within camera, yet something like the black hole, they had to, that's fully uh, CGI, VFX. That's a Mm. simulation that they're in. I do feel like people are simplifying it too much to the point where he does everything practical. But no, I feel like he is an example of a person that has a good blend between practical effects and visual effects. And I do feel like, I believe, it's hard to tell. And that's a good sign in Tenet that we see a good blend between practical effects versus or on top of CGI VFX. Oh, bro, I read some shit about how they did some other things on Tenant, and it is holy crap insane. We'll talk about it when we get into the spoilers. But, um, you know, like for me, it's props and respect where it's due and when it's due. And in this case, I've never had a bad experience going to a, a Christopher Nolan movie in the theater. True. He manages to captivate and create a world where I am fully engaged and I am there for the ride. And to a certain extent, that's why a lot of people go to the movies. Hmm. So. But I, I don't think he's the epitome though. As people no, make it sound. No. And like, whenever I think about like my favorite directors are the people that I want to make movies, like he never comes up in conversation for me. It's more mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's way more about Denis Villeneuve or someone like, you know, even though it's like the most cliche film bro to say, I think David Fincher is so in attuned to human nature and human morbid curiosity that just like it, he gets under my skin in ways that no other director does. And, you know, those are the types of people that I look to when it comes to my own filmmaking, you know, someone like Edgar, Edgar Wright, who knows exactly what he's trying to do with every film that he's doing. Um, but yeah, Nolan, I feel, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know how to explain it. I enjoy his movies. I agree with you that, you know, he might be 
put on a pedestal by a lot of people for sure. And honestly, like, let's keep the conversation going in the comments uh, below. Uh, Let us know if you feel the need to defend Nolan. I'm sorry if I am being too harsh. (laughs) I hope that my conversation about Tenet is going to make it better for you. But uh, let us know your personal feelings about Nolan. If you have any experience or your thoughts on the movies, do you even like them at all? Maybe, Maybe you have a distaste for his entire filmography. That would be interesting to hear. Let us know. But until then, let's talk about Tenet. First off, non-spoilery thoughts. Non-spoilery thoughts. Fuck. Uh, Honestly? Yeah. Go watch it. (laughs) I think it's worth a watch. I think it honestly is worth watching. It's not even his longest movie. And um, I had a great time. I I saw it twice. Uh, really? Which I don't. Yeah, I don't normally do that when it comes to movies hitting theaters. Uh, and I would see it a third time, to be completely honest. Uh, that's so my. I can't necessarily recommend it. It's I. It's I. But it's not like. It's far from his best, Nolan. It is so okay. far from his best. It falls pretty far down the list. It is a cool-ass concept film. And if you're interested, like me, in time travel or space and time in film, this is a cool-ass movie for the concept and the take of time that it has. Mm. But it's not a must-watch at all. It's... um it's aight, I guess. Damn. Yeah. Damn. I'm Damn. glad I, I, I'm, oof. I'm glad I saw it because there's a lot of cool effects and a lot of cool. Well, it's very high concept, but similar mm. to. I feel like you can compare it a lot to Inception, um, but Inception just. It's not that the concept is, less or higher, but it, works better as a story. I feel. Hmm. I don't know if that's due to storytelling necessarily or just characters, but mm. I, I'm afraid that I might have hyped this movie up. Yes, because it is Christopher Nolan and we haven't seen much fantasy sci-fi from him since, well, one movie ago. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been too long, man. It's been a while, yeah. Because Interstellar came out in, in 2014. 2014. So it's been, yeah, it's been six years, mm. give or take. Well, once it did come out, I heard a lot of people being like, well, I have contradicting feelings about this film. I'm not really sure what I feel about it. So I guess I went in with mixed expectations and I don't mm. think that colored it too much. But uh, it's a cool flick, but I can't recommend it, unfortunately enough. It's not a must watch at least. For me, it's like I managed to control my expectations going into this movie, mostly because I think I don't hold Nolan up on a pedestal. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm just looking to go be entertained. And I did. I don't know if I would go as far as to say it's his best work, but I also know I wouldn't go as far as to say it's far down the list uh, personally. Uh, I, I had to shoot a text to Isabella 
uh, Isabella that you might know from our episode of Ari Aster, Midsommar and Hereditary. Uh, and I think we should have a chat with her. She, she has um, very mixed feelings, but it sounds like she's more on my side than yours. So that should be a conversation between the three of us. Uh, I am excited because I'm not usually the person defending movies. I'm usually uh, on the bashing side. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I feel like the only time I've defended a movie to you on the yeah. podcast, was it her? Oh, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. That didn't sit right with me. Isn't there an, another example of movies that I've disliked? There must be. A Midsummer. Well, that was also on the podcast then. <laughs> yeah. You all should go check out those episodes, by the way. We have special guests and they're funnier than we are. <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right. This is your spoiler warning for the movie Tenet. We know it's fresh and new. Do with, do with what you will of our recommendations or not. Uh and see the film before you continue the podcast. This has been a spoiler warning uh, by our sponsor, Doritos. <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't mind if we were actually sponsored by Doritos. Dude, free, free Doritos. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an overrated snack, though. Now we just <laughs> lost our sponsorship. <laughs> like, what are Doritos? Are they... Tortilla they're, chips or yeah, are they tortilla chips? But well, you eat them like potato chips, though. It's well, not like I mean, you're gonna dip a Dorito into salsa, are you? There's people who dip Doritos. Who? <laughs> You'll get cheese dust all over your salsa. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I mean, it, this is a totally fair argument. I'm not. I'm. I, I don't have a horse in this race. I, you know, I don't even dip. I. Let's just. <laughs> You know, on the spectrum from Cheetos to potato chip, it's like more towards potato chip, but it's not yeah. so far from Cheeto. I like Cheetos. Mm. At certain times, crunchy Cheetos are good. I like the flaming like hot ones. Oh, yeah, not good. Mm. Tenet? Tenet. <laughs> so, if you're still around... And you want a quick synopsis. <laughs> it goes as follows. It says, armed with only one word, tenant, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, the protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. The movie is directed by Christopher Nolan and it stars John David Washington as a protagonist. No, that is not me making a reference to story structure. That is actually how he is credited. Uh, Robert Pattinson as Neil, Elizabeth Debicki as Kat, and Kenneth Branagh as Andre Sator. Lovely cast, to be completely honest. I think mm. they're great. And I think mostly this conversation, I think, can be really interesting because, and I don't know how you feel about this, I don't think we need to hit every story beat like we usually do oh no sure yeah i mean ultimately it is a concept movie it is mm -hmm. very high concept so yeah. that's what's the most important yes i feel like for this just because of the not necessarily convoluted but definitely layered mm. <laughs> story 
uh, and how it is told, it I think it'd be better if we just have conversations about what, how we felt about the movie. Mm, and, you're right. Um, we can uh, talk about specific scenes and such. Yeah, uh, of course. For sure, for sure. That makes that makes more sense. Completely. So we can start by like I can start this conversation by saying that uh, I feel this movie is t- two different movies. The first half of this movie is a spy thriller full of like espionage and like you know breaking into places and breaking out mm. of places and stuff like that. I kind of get a sense of a heist movie. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, which I fucking love. Yeah. And <laughs> secondly, there's a point in the movie and it's like a super clear point where everything turns like full on concept sci-fi, like what the hell is happening. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's really cool. Cause basically, so the main idea of the movie is that time is not linear and that linear time is just how we perceive it. But realistically time is just always happening. And we are, you know, traveling forwards through time, but through this new technology, we are able to reverse, inverse the entropy of an object, person, and or whatever, and have them travel backwards through the time, which I think is a dope-ass concept. Especially because time travel is such a, you know, tried and true part of yeah. sci-fi you know every every single every single like sci-fi thing has time travel as part of it in some yeah. way or another and that's i was kind of careful about my choice of words there it's not a time travel film but it plays our law around with the concept of time and mm. a lot so i'm unsure if it's ever been made before but it's certainly the first time that i've seen this take on time travel if you will uh, mm-hmm. on the screen ever mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. works very well to me who's someone that's very invested one of my favorite movies i think we spoke about it is primer for example mm-hmm. typical time travel film different from this so but i love understanding how it's supposed to work and yes halfway through the film or so it started to become more uncomprehensive but i really didn't mind it i was able to like let it go enough mm-hmm. so to where mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. it makes sense and i can see it's being rewatchable therefore and uh, maybe you can answer that but um mm-hmm. i really enjoyed the take on it it was sort of refreshing sort of interesting to see and the way it worked visually was stunning yeah no for sure i feel it's Man, okay. When it comes to the actual time aspect of this movie, I think the actual movie is very clear about what it wants it to be. And it even says it explicitly, like, don't try to understand it. Yeah. Just, you know, go with it. And But I know, the way I know Christopher Nolan, there is a thought behind it. It must be logical, scientific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like for him, there's like if you were to analyze and rewatch this movie as many right. times as you need to, there's definitely a way to like weave all of these threads mm-hmm. into one single cohesive idea. Because otherwise, the script wouldn't work. You know, like yeah. it, it would make no sense to make a movie where your script needs you to explain 
all of it, you know? And I feel mm. like this, ha this has to make sense in some sort of way written down. And, uh, you know, we'll, maybe we'll see it down the line. I think that'd be interesting. But what I think is really cool is that the movie ends <laughs> and I'm like, I don't necessarily know every single detail. I don't know the exact specifics of everything, but I got the big picture and I honestly, I really enjoyed the ride when it came to the confusing like twist over a twist over a twist that starts happening at some point. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really well done in terms of that. I understand that people might think it's, you know, overly complex or stupidly convoluted. Mm -hmm. But what I want to know is where the where does this movie not work for you? Where did it go wrong? Because I thought it being time travel and it being a new take on tra time travel, you'd um, you'd be a little bit more on my side. Probably everything but the concepts, honestly. Um, okay. The character is not too too interesting we don't know him very well mm. uh, we have the highest feeling of a lot of different characters playing a major part in this bigger scheme of things that we are unaware of and everything but no character is very i feel like the neil character by uh, robert Paddington is the more interest flushed out or whatever character maybe that's just because robert worked well within that role within that character mm. uh, granted at the end the protagonist kind of showed his true colors when he uh, stepped up to the plate of being what he's supposed to be like the villain himself didn't feel that threatening so characters are a little bit muted in mm. my opinion what I would have liked to see would be probably bigger plot twist. You have an inception, you have this major plot twist. I forget it now, I should rewatch it. Uh, but it's something very unexpected. Um, the one scene, the first time we're set in uh, within the uh, Norwegian painting gallery kind of thing. Oslo. Yeah, th that place. Um, when uh, when they're about to steal the paintings, are they supposed to steal the paintings? They're supposed to do something with the paintings. Were you ever? No, but, but hey, they are supposed <laughs> to break into this place because they know that he's hiding something in there. They suspect. Well, like John oh, yeah. David, the protagonist, he suspects that that's where um, he has like the bullets that are inversed and stuff like that. Ah, uh, that's what it was. Yes. And so two masked guys appear from this place and there's inverted bullets and there's action and uh, Neil unmasks one and quickly runs over to John and stops him from killing this one guy in the mask. Was it ever unclear to you that that ultimately was his future self? In the moment, like the first scene, to me it was very clear, like Neil uncovers his face and like oh my god his facial expression is like oh so that's that's his future self or something well that's cool because they're obviously inverted mm -hmm. traveling backwards in time i huh no that was a it might have been i okay. the thing is like <clears throat> you've seen it a lot of times now well i've seen it two times and i think 
here's here's like before we get into the whole like you know what because I, I think I know where you're going with this let me let, let, let me rebuke a little bit in terms of the characters I feel sure the villain is kind of meh I'm not gonna lie to you there he yeah, yeah, yeah. like I understand it it's they don't not have that strong of a um, what's it called motivation mm. uh, and I it I think the point there's a point behind it uh, but what I will say though is when it comes to Robert Pattinson's character Neil and the protagonist on a, upon rewatch everything works better both of them because you know the bigger uh-huh. picture okay. so every interaction that they have uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. you can see the layers within Pattinson's like performance of I know this dude intimately. He's like my bro. There's like a clear bromance going, but he can't tell him that yet. So there's such a, there's, there's so many things that are left unsaid on his part when mm-hmm. it comes to their early interactions. And he like plays it off really funnily where he's like, uh, he'll have a diet Coke. And the guy's like, what? And he's like, you don't drink on the job. And he's like, oh, but shit. I, but I love uh, soda water. And he's like, no, you don't. And they laugh. And at that first moment, like the first time they watch it, it's like, oh, it's just because they're both spies. And like, he knows, you know, he's supposed to know information about this other person. But once you understand that there's clearly so much more to their relationship and so much, you know, care between them, it kind of recontextualizes everything. And I feel like, that's where Nolan succeeds as a filmmaker. He makes movies that you will rewatch at some point. You yeah. know, unless you truly fucking hated it, then I understand that you might not want to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> well, back to my point then. Like, I understand that the final battle or fight or big plot point of the movie gets confusing because there's a lot of things happening Um, Mm. but before that and once once they ultimately use that time device to go back to the same time of the um the heist of the uh the place by the Mm -hmm. airplanes and stuff by the airplane yeah freeport that's what it's called uh ultimately when they go back to that time in space uh, that's the only time when we see, you know, how the story weaves into to it together. Mm. Or ask me this: Is the uh, inversed character in the opening sequence? Does that make sense on a second rewatch, or is that character person still no one, essentially? That that character is Neil. Oh, is that Neil? Yeah. Well, I would have they- liked to see. An explanation to that, a flashback to when he traveled back in time in order to do that and such. Well, the thing is, because like when when he saves him at the beginning of the movie, mm. the camera literally makes a non-second watching is such an obvious cutaway. And you're like, oh, that's a little bit sloppy, to be honest. But he's not masked at all or anything. <laughs> no, he's he's masked, but he like Nolan cuts away into this insert of his keychain that's like on his backpack. It's like a Uh string with a loop. And then 
when at the end of the movie he turns yeah. around to go to the to the sh to the helicopter where they're supposed to go back to be able to go back in time, he turns around, he puts his backpack over his shoulder, and you see the same mm -hmm. um, keychain, and that's when he's like, "Who hired you?" And the guy is like, "I thought you would have figured out that it was you by now." And then that that's the point. I think. Yeah, I think that's could, a bigger twist. Yeah. Like, because it's not necessarily even a twist. It's just uh, the final piece of a puzzle that helps you recontextualize everything that you've seen up to that point. Maybe. I would have liked, even though how confusing it actually does get by the end of it, I would have liked more mm. interweaving within the story itself, more of like layover between the storylines. Supposedly. And. This is again. This is me talking from a, from a perspective of watching it twice. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of interweaving. The the thing is, you just don't actually notice a lot of the things because yep. there's so many things happening, mm -hmm. and Nolan is so he's so subtle about this kind of thing that you just want to strangle yeah. him sometimes because you're like, okay, I did not like I never even saw that coming the first time that I watched this movie and now you're mm -hmm. telling me that this there was this whole thing going on before or after or whatever. And it's you know for me it just comes down to the fact that you know, I, I've had this argument with, with some of my other friends and I think I've had it with you too, where it's like how good can a movie be if you need multiple watches or you need multiple viewings of the movie in order to appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then you fall into this whole idea of like, okay, what if you were to watch a movie like Stalker, like we did? Uh-huh. Uh, no, we saw Solaris. Um, we're sure it's on the easier side of Andrei Tarkovsky's filmography, but at the end right. of the day, it's like still a heavy, dense movie where you're like, should I just like go online and try and figure what the fuck was going on half of the time or like do I trust yeah. my gut about yeah. what's happening sure. you know um, do you agree that there could have been a bigger plot twist though to make it interesting I feel a bigger plot twist would have felt cheap to me oh really because for me the plot twists come from how many times they go back in time weren't enough in my opinion but i haven't seen it once so it's hard to say honestly like there were there were watchable. there were two at least two yeah that i didn't notice on the first watch oh. okay where good. the second time i'm like cool. what the yeah. fuck that was one of them okay oh, cool. i got cool, it cool, now cool. that's you know and i feel like people get turned off by that I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, you mm -hmm. know, when did this happen? How did this happen? Why is this happening? And I understand. I feel like the biggest criticism of this movie for a lot of people is like you said, like these characters are just not interesting. But I feel it's that Nolan, for good or for bad, in this case specifically, first of all, let me be very clear. I don't think he does emotion very well. No. <laughs> you know? No. I feel he's very primal. Yeah. Like very basic when it comes to his emotional arcs. Yes. Um, you know, he he kind of he exceeds better when it comes to moral dilemmas about like yeah. someone's own philosophy and how they are and who they are. And I think that's why he nails 
Batman and Bruce Wayne as as characters and and this whole like fuck man I don't want to I don't want to have to be Batman if I have to give up my m- the love of my life but at the same time I don't want to be with her if I can't be Batman and you know that like that duality he mm-hmm. nails because it has to do more with like I'm um, an internal struggle mm-hmm. more than like actual emotions like it's not it's never about Batman's or Bruce Wayne's love for Rachel it's way more about his quote unquote responsibility to Gotham City and I feel that's why he nails better mm-hmm. And when it comes to tenant, I feel like people are not, they are not looking at the dilemma that the protagonist goes through because he goes through one and he has an interesting character change. And I think it is really cool to see because usually it's the other way around. So in my eyes, what he does as a protagonist, his arc, he starts out as someone who is willing to do anything and everything to save the world, right? He doesn't care about the one person as long as he can save everyone else. And you see moments of it where up to the point where he allows for Kat to get shot by Andre. And then Neil is like, what the fuck, dude? And he's like, that's standard procedure, man. Lying is standard procedure. And he was going to shoot her anyway. And I'm not going to falter from it. And then you need, like, you see how he changes from that person, from this, like, detached spy to someone who's, like, you know, maybe saving the one person is important because one person can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I think it's maybe. an interesting one. I, I think it's an interesting arc because you always see the reverse where it's, like, people need to start considering the bigger picture and stuff like that. And I thought uh-huh. it just made sense for this movie and i think it's really cool obviously do i think it's pretentious that he calls his protagonist the protagonist of course <laughs> and there's things that like i don't necessarily agree with uh when it comes to the movie and how it, it was executed on the contradictory the contradictory yeah that one uh the relationship between the protagonist and cat uh elizabeth i felt like th- there wasn't a good enough dynamics between the two to excuse his respect for her life in that sense i would have i'm not looking for romance at all but i didn't Mm. see a clear reason why he would start to care about the individual as you said like the growth within the character absolutely that's cool but their their relationship and why he ever felt so strongly for her specifically that didn't really ring true to me I feel it's not necessarily that he feels something for her. I feel like it comes down to the fact that he understands that he fucked her over big time more than once. No, sure. And it's kind of like a... Mm -hmm. Because for me, the real moment where he understands that eventually he will have to start caring about the individual is when he realizes that him and Neil have this bromance going on through however many years they Uh were together. Because yeah. honestly, man, and this this was an interesting thing up on a second rewatch when when on these on the last scene they're saying goodbye and, and Neil is all like, you know what, like this is the beginning of a friendship for you, but for me this is cool the end of a beautiful friendship, which I hope is a Casablanca reference because that would be fucking priceless to me. <laughs> um, all right, <laughs> it's just like because the ending of Casablanca is. Yeah. Um, Bogey telling, uh, fuck, 
people are not going to believe I love this movie because I'm so, I'm so bad with the names. But Bogey tells the police officer character, he's like, you know, I feel this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And Robert Pattinson says the inverse of that. And I think it's just like, I thought it was cool. Anyways, so this whole moment of, you know, we're bros and I saved your life multiple times. And he probably saved Neil's life multiple times, especially if you go the route that Isabella went on. Isabella is our friend. Uh, she's a friend of the podcast. And she said something about how, you know, there's a way to interpret this movie where Neil is Kat's son grown up. I mean, sure. Really, though? Personally, yeah. after two rewatches, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that seems far off, dude. <laughs> It'd be dope, though. Like, honestly, I don't know if anyone like you guys can comment I, down below if it what you thought about that uh, <laughs> crazy idea. But I think, it, you know, it like realistically it would, could be. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. um, like for me. It's about all the things that come into context within uh, his relationship with Neil. Because mm. it's just, you know, it's nice to see a, a platonic relationship, friendship between these two guys who go from being co-workers to him not trusting Neil because apparently Neil's a fucking liar. To then him being like, I'm going to love this dude down the line and I don't even know him properly yet. Which I think is just awesome. Um, Can we talk about how Elizabeth Debicki is fucking tall as hell? Sure. She's like taller than every single dude on the cast. And what I love is that Nolan was never like, oh, we need to shoot this so that she doesn't look taller than everyone else. Uh -huh. He was like, nah, man, like she's supposed to be taller than everyone else. And she's like such a beautiful woman. And I thought it was, I just thought it was cool that Nolan in some way tries to subvert like even though he calls his main guy the protagonist mm. he also breaks some of the rules when it comes to protagonists like mm -hmm. having your protagonist be that shorter than um first of all than a, than a woman character especially nowadays when we're fighting for representation i think it's such a subtle fuck you to toxic masculinity <laughs> because <laughs> there's like so many guys who are like i would never date a woman who's taller than me or whatever right, right. I don't get it, man. But um, I thought I thought it was just really cool to see. Also, I think Elizabeth is a great actress, and I really love how she plays um, this character differently than her character in Widows, who's her character in Widows is also in an abusive relationship, um, and yet she plays them so differently. And I feel like it really speaks to her talent because she could have probably done the same thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy her character and her arc because I really enjoy that she's not saved by the dudes. Like they save her life, but mostly because he got her shot in the first place. Uh, and it's, it would just be the decent <laughs> human thing to do is to save her life mm -hmm. after you got mm -hmm. her shot. But the end result is her taking her own life into her own hands. And that's exactly what she wanted from the beginning. She wanted her freedom. Mm. I think that was really badass too. I guess that is a nice tie in to the store the timeline i should say of how it works out in the past but with the present traveling back and stuff mm. 
I guess. I guess so. Um, you said something about audience members being confused. You were bashing out yeah. it a bit. I, I do believe that this one, if you were to compare it to Inception, I feel like I might be a bit too much. But I feel like this one is less accessible uh, compared to Inception. I remember when mm -hmm. Inception came out and people were like, whoa, this is so cool, so high concept, so intelligent. It really mm -hmm. isn't. I mean, this this film, I can see, it really doesn't try to explain itself as much. And mm -hmm. it doesn't, as we said, care about it either. It's just, you know, don't think about it too much. It's, it's time, it's confusing, it's supposed to be. And, uh, but, but, would make sense and i i respect that um so may so yeah definitely that might turn people off from giving it a, a rewatch and that is not great ultimately for me myself mm. i am looking forward to rewatching it and very possibly heighten my uh rating for it down the line but um but yes maybe for the betterment of the film itself I feel like it could be more clear of the concept of how things worked and such. Is there a point where it lost you necessarily to throw that question back at you? Because to me, it was a point mm -hmm. when they started to include this, uh, the military type of dudes and there just so many things happened at the same time. And there was a lot of different timelines that were thrown back and forth. That's when... Mm chaos started erupting and we mm -hmm. started following multiple characters going through multiple stages of inversed and reversed time inverse and they call them inverse and normal yeah forward i don't remember yeah something like that um so it, it, it was a bit iffy at time is there a specific moment that you would have liked more clarification, for example. No, honestly, my biggest problem with the movie is just that the that the villain guy is such a pastiche of your Russian. Oh yeah, basic motherfucker. Yes, the fact, that, not he even the fact that he's Russian. Russian, but for me, it's like I thought we were. I like this is. Yeah. It's not like mm -hmm. you know. And it's very much like, Personally. ooh, back in also, my teenage years, I was in the Soviet Union and that's when it all started. For me, it's like, sure, keep him Russian, but then don't make him such a fucking stereotype. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure he can be Russian because, uh, you know, like the radioactive material came from the Soviet Union. Everything that you want to tell me about how and why he needs to be Russian, that's perfect. I totally buy that. Why he needs to be a stereotype, that's beyond me. Especially when, like, you're talking about an actor who's putting on a Russian accent. And I'm, like, over that. I'm over that. Because as someone who's bilingual and someone who, you know, is mostly seen... Like, I've mostly seen my people represented as people who have accents... It's just exhausting at this point. <laughs> and it feels like such a caricature mm -hmm. of like, yes, I am 
evil guy and whatever. And I'm like, no, but, oh, sure, but he, like, oh my why, God. why though? He has a heavy Russian accent. He, he must be the bad guy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I thought I thought that was the only thing where I was like, uh, uh, this could have been this could have been fucking so much better if he would. Because realistically, man, if he if if he got rich and shit in his teenage years, I don't see why he and he's he's been living in in the UK for he looks like at least fifty. So you're telling me that he couldn't at least soften his accent. Mm -hmm. 40 years speaking English, you know, like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's just my take. Well, that's not that major uh, of a of a negative point on a movie. No, nah, man, I really, so he, the thing is like, honestly, I love spy movies. So the first half of this movie where it's like a heist movie mm. and you're like putting like all these pieces together, dope as shit. And then I like the high concept sci-fi thing where it's like I'm not sure exactly what's going on and the first time I was watching this movie my head hurt a little bit when the whole inverse thing became a thing where it's like multiple people are becoming inversed at multiple times throughout multiple timelines and then it just becomes this big jumble idea of who's when and who's where but most importantly when um, and I didn't mind it because I was there for the ride I was like already invested at this point where I'm like this is a dope movie and you know i was afraid on, a, on upon a rewatch that i was not going to enjoy it as much and i honestly really did good. good i love the score and i love the cinematography by hoite van hoitma i think the he's such a god like i kind of i know we talked about for more a, for more hoite than we got of course it doesn't have to be more soft lighting and all of that but i i kind of hoped for more hoyt like uh, realistically in terms of hoyt's own work her and at astra are probably always going to be like the top for me because they're so beautiful in what they're doing but when it comes to the technical aspects of how they shot this movie yes. his work becomes more apparent yes. so I'll, i'll let you in on it i think it's really cool a lot of the reverse mm -hmm. action mm -hmm. that goes into it, they didn't shoot normal and then reversed it in post-production. Really? They, yeah, they rehearsed and they choreographed the fight scenes and the movements of all of the actors so that it seemed like they're moving backwards. Yeah. Obviously, it might be heightened a little bit in the like post-production aspect of it right. because, you know, it's still a film. But uh, most of the things were done in camera anyways. And I think when you really look at the nuances of how you have to position and choreograph the camera itself so that yeah. all of these other elements come to work, I think it's kind of really kick-ass how he works with Nolan that way. So when the car is flipped over and has completely crashed and it's totaled and then flips back over and continues driving that's in camera that's so cool yeah well 100% yeah Man. that's the only thing they did in camera <laughs> um, no but I mean mm -hmm. like you know especially that fight scene between the protagonist and his future self yeah. in the Oslo Freeport I think that looks insane and it must have been a bitch to shoot <laughs> no I'm aware that they choreographed a lot of things the way it would happen in reverse. And that's a major props to the stunt guys because 
Mm. Uh, some guy in an interview said that they essentially had to rethink and relearn everything that they had learned up to that point of how things looks in reverse. And, mm -hmm. th and that's something that works in favor of the concept so much. Like it's so visually pleasing with a guy that's moving forward in time and a person that's inversed. Mm -hmm. it, it, it looks weird. It, it's, it's, it's like dope as shit to see. And it, it's so strange looking, but also so cool because it kind of makes sense when you understand when to that point of the movie, you, you understand the concept enough. And I think, I think that's something that works well in the film too, is that they start with a bullet of just dropping it, but you catch it ultimately, and then you catch it in the gun and then to a fight scene and then more and more and more. Mm. Um, so again, the concept is simply the strongest part of it. Um, talking about the VFX though, uh, there must be, or there are some certain things like for example, a bullet hole in concrete uh, closing in. Maybe that might mm. that might be reversed, sure. But I think many of those, at least in some cases, rubble uh, fall back up in the la later part of the movie. Uh, we see an entire building collapsing oh, that, versus... That shot is so cool. That's really nice. <laughs> yeah. So, and that, so that's what I mean, like how they play with um, a car being flipped over and playing that in reverse and that being a practical stunt and or mm -hmm. uh, effect made in camera contra explosions and and this gravel falling inversed uh just to add small effects here and there very subtly adds so much to the uh, visual mm -hmm. I, w I don't want to say visual gag but the visual effect that brings things to it uh, and they play a lot of things with there's this one shot when uh, it's like a drone shot panning around a, a big ass ship that's inversed so the ship is moving backwards we see the wave closing in as as the propeller is pushing away the water but all backwards and it's very it's, it's very beautifully done how our protagonist is doing push-ups uh, but forward in time whilst everything else that we see is inversed mm-hmm yeah, it's insane because that means he probably had to learn how to do it in reverse so that when they reversed the footage of the ship, he looked like he was moving forward. I I guess it could. I I do assume that that one in particular was green screen, though. Very well done so, because that would mean that they would have had to have a robotic camera. It, it, knowing Nolan, for all that matters, it could be <laughs> played backwards simply. Yeah, for me, honestly, I don't even know how much green or blue screen he used this period. It's insane to me. No, that's that comes with um, Interstellar. He tried to avoid it for as much as possible. Yeah. Which I, I think it, 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 yeah, I think it talks a lot about who he is mm -hmm. as a director. Uh, um, similar to that, though, audio design and score. There are very yes. few moments in movies where I, as a person, as a moviegoer, notices the score, especially audio design, I can pay attention to. In this film, it is fairly bold, uh, the score and audio design. It has a lot of presence uh, with bold and obvious 
notions in some aspects yeah. it's trying to simulate heart beating and uh, feeling from the pov of the character yeah. um, and might be a bit too much at times i gotta admit but the score other than that is just amazing it works so well yeah to fit the tone and the uh, uh unease within the scenes mm -hmm. I, I especially notice noticed at the first part of um at the first time we interact with inverse bullets the score is subtly increasing with the unease and uncomfortableness from our main character mm. you have anything to add to that well the composer is a swedish he's uh, swedish yeah. gentleman cool yeah his name is ludwig Göransson. 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 Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, I think, honestly, I think you fucking rocked it. I, the score is so, like you said, it, it is definitely noticeable. Um, and I would say good thing or bad thing, it might be a little bit reminiscent of Hans Zimmer, but not in a derogatory way, not in mm. a derivative way. I think it's just a really we associate Hans Zimmer with very high concept, very loud soundtracks, and that's just because he's such a big name. But I wouldn't call this score cinematic in the same sense. Exactly, mm. and that's where I was going. I think the move, the the score adapts to the movie in a very specific way, spe especially because you're talking about time. And I might be wrong, and you know, I'm not sure. But while upon second rewatch, I noticed that when he, the protagonist, goes out into the inverse world for the first time, hmm. the score also inverses. And there's uh. subtle subtleties that make it seem like it is also being played in reverse. I don't know if that's true. I don't know enough about the composing process that went into this movie. But I mean, if that's true, I think that would be really dope. <laughs> I bet it must have been, doesn't it? It's all about the details mm. when it comes to those kinds of things. Yeah, and when it comes to the sound design, I will say this, especially because a lot of people are having an issue with it. And I think the biggest disclaimer that you and I can make about sound design when it comes to Christopher Nolan movies, specifically his dialogue, we have subtitles in the countries that we live in. Sure. So sure. a lot of the times it's like you're not necessarily, you know, dependent on just listening. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of enjoy how Nolan plays with sound in a way that is not usual because, you know, sound is such a weird thing when it comes to movies because you're not supposed to notice it. But if something is wrong, if something is different, you definitely notice it. And for example, the first sequence of this movie, the whole opera sequence is super loud. It is so loud and it but is supposed to, yeah. from what I understand, it's like, obviously it's just supposed to shock you and you're just kind of like, what the fuck is going on? And it's supposed to be like this, like sensory overload, overload, uh, especially because, well, there's a lot of fucking things going on and we don't know what the hell is going on at the same time because we don't know these characters. We don't know who we're supposed to be rooting for. They're all wearing black. And no one is making much sense. <laughs> but I love that sequence. I feel like... It's so well made, oh, yes. man. It is so well crafted. And I think when it comes to that and just like the editing of it, when it comes to the pacing, mm -hmm. and I think pacing is important when you, when you want to do a high concept movie that is also an espionage movie. 
honestly, pacing is kind of important in any type of movie because otherwise you get Brakesby barreled over again. <laughs> I never felt like this movie-wise two hours and a half. I honestly didn't. No. By the point, by the time we realized that the protagonist is the one who's behind this whole pincer movement and that he's halfway through, I was ready for like at least another half hour of the movie where we see him like catch up to his future self or something. Not that it would have worked or anything, but subconsciously, like I was down to keep going with the with this ride that we were on top of. And I, I like the way that time travel works and how you see the subtleties of it. Mm -hmm. Like when she, Kat calls him and she's like, it might be nothing, but, and then she gives him the time and location of where he shows up. I just, I think those are really cool moments of time exactly. travel movies. Uh, and it works very well. Uh, a similar sequence to that is when, uh, uh, when John, uh, well, the, f the first time he really goes into inverse time and is attempting to redo or retrieve this, the artifact, I forget what it's called, that, that weird box thingy that is kind of like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's sort of gimmicky. Regardless, he gets in the car, of course, the car that we've seen previously, because as you said, that's how time works. And the car flips over and he ultimately is responsible for helping out the bad guy. And that's when we later get the famous quote, don't think too much about it. It's what, is, what has happened had has happened and stuff mm. like that. Um, also works very well. But I, I do feel like I would have wanted more of that where we have something that initially, the first time we interact with the scene doesn't make sense. But then later we see it from the perspective of the person that went back in time and it ties together the knots and it all makes sense and it's streamlined. And I feel like it could have broadened it from that, but it ended up just being too overloaded of, I, I would like to say that there was a little too many things happening towards the mm -hmm. latter part. There were yeah, quite sure. a few characters that we were following. It would have been enough with Kat, John and uh neil but with then on top of that we had the perspective of the bad guy the bad guy's goon who's i don't even remember what he did but it didn't feel like that important and i don't know i feel like maybe it's just that things lined up for me to enjoy this movie when it comes to going back to the theaters and the fact that i really had no expectations and i truly love the performances from the main three uh, especially I think Robert Pattinson is such a fucking underrated actor and I hope that now that he's back to <laughs> making mainstream movies he will get the recognition he deserves because I wonder dude is awesome mm. he's so he's such a you know subtle like just fun dude to watch in movies um, and he has a lot of fucking uh, what's it called range range yeah yeah um, so, yeah. Do you feel a completely different question? But Nolan, as a filmmaker, did you get a sense of this movie deviating necessarily for the uh, mainstream appeal? That's a really interesting thing when it comes to Nolan, because he has been, for many years yeah. now, 
being able to toe the line between him being an auteur and like all this pretentious aspect of filmmaking yeah. and also appealing to the masses. And uh, I think, you know, not a lot of people are able to strike that balance. Uh, you know, Steven Spielberg did it and a lot of people hated him for it because he's <laughs> actually a great filmmaker and he also has that, that thing that appeals to a lot of people. But I would argue I that Spielberg is better with the mainstream audience. Yes, I would agree that too. And for obvious reasons, but I also think that Spielberg's work has gone downhill recently. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, like uh, the last thing I remember seeing of him was the post with Hanks yeah. and Meryl Streep. I thought that movie was so bad. <laughs> such a good premise, such a good, like, you know, and there's movies that, that have done it right. One of my favorite movies is Spotlight. Uh -huh. And it's just, it's like, it's similar in the sense of like, it's the newspapers trying to uncover this thing, but the post was boring. <laughs> But anyways, uh, we're deviating. When I when it comes to Nolan, I think this movie is him at his most free. Like he is free of to do what he wanted. Yeah, possibly. And I feel like, you know, not all of your films can appeal to everyone, and not all of your not all of your films can be great. But I. Feel him having fun, and I feel the cast having fun, and I think this movie just worked for me that way. But I can definitely see this being like not necessarily a career changing moment, but definitely I can see this being a thing where a lot of people will be turned off mm. from his work. I can see for that. Sure. Kind of unfortunately, but if it would be a conscious <laughs> choice of his to go more in the artsy it could be it could be it could, could be, be right 100%. a step in that direction and yeah. yeah in that case yeah and i feel like everyone kind of hits that moment for example it, to go back to one of our favorites in the podcast because you know we keep coming back to him and i don't know why but wes anderson yeah. has <laughs> started getting some mainstream like success yeah you know like there's still some very quirky aspects to his movies that turn off a lot of people But like a lot of more, a lot more people saw the Grand Budapest Hotel than they saw the Royal Tenenbaums, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So with the French Dispatch, I feel like that's him at his most, like, I think it's going to be him at his most Anderson-y. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with that movie yeah. when it comes to people who have started following him recently. Yeah. And it just, it happens in every filmmaker's career because it it's a thing, you know, and it happened to... Um, Tarantino mm -hmm. with Once, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where it's like you know back to the basics of dialogue and the, the fact that he loves making dialogue heavy films and the fact that there's only a certain amount of violence like there was in Pulp Fiction or like there was in Reservoir Dogs and a lot of people were like what the fuck happened to the gun toting bloody motherfucker that we fell in love with on Django you know and it's 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 a caveat of creating, but I feel like with any sort of artist, they have this kind of moment. And I think it's going to be interesting to see where Christopher Nolan goes after this, whether he tries to come back into our mainstream or he goes like, no, man, like this is the direction that I want to follow. And he keeps on going that way. I do believe so. It will be interesting to see if 
what kind of direction this will be heading. So when it comes to ratings, Mao, I've made my mind up about it. How many stars mm. do you give Tenet? Tenet works for me. I like the performances. I love the score. I think the concept is dope as shit. And watching it twice made me sure of its rewatchability way more than Dunkirk, for example. I think like yeah. I've never been like, yeah. oh, I want to rewatch Dunkirk. Yeah. Um, which is not to say that it's a bad film. I'm just saying rewatchability is always a big factor in our ratings, at least for you and me. Um, so, you know, barring the caricature stereotype villain that it has, I really enjoyed <laughs> this movie yeah. in many levels. And I look forward to watching it again. And I'm going to give it a four out of five. I don't have a good summary of my feelings about the movie <laughs> necessarily. I would have preferred a bigger payoff, a bigger resolution. And I feel like the story might be lacking a bit. Mm. Um, not in its clarity and especially not in the way it went about the concept of it all, but rather possibly in motivation of characters. However, I do believe you that it's very rewatchable and I'm looking forward to increase the rating on a later rewatch, which I am excited of to regardless. <clears throat> mm. no, I think it'd be really interesting to hear your thoughts afterwards. Yeah, for, yeah sure. for sure. But for now, I'm going to have to give it a two and a half out of five. Damn. Like any, a good average standard. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't too special for me. Falls around mm. in the same area of the prestige for me of Nolan's filmography. I think you should rewatch the prestige. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Prestige doesn't work for me too well. It's too. Yeah. Same thing there. I don't have that big of a payoff. Mm. It's kind of predictable, but that's a different movie for a different podcast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if you were to rank Nolan's movies real quick, top five or whatever, go. Uh, Inception. Yes. For sure. Uh, moments, give me a second. Just that I am aware. Uh, shit. I always forget Batman is in there. Uh, Batman is good. <laughs> so for me, it is definitely... It would be Inception, The Dark Knight, uh, Memento, Interstellar, and mm, I don't know about the fifth spot. I feel like Batman Begins, The Prestige, and Tenant are all the same level yeah. for me. And mm -hmm. then after that, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, and then dunkirk would be my least favorite Ooh, of his like because i've never even like i've never really had an urge to rewatch it like at least with the with batman with like the dark knight crisis there's moments where i'm like you know what i need some Anne hathaway in my life <laughs> she's amazing <laughs> it's, and it's really, i really love her turn as catwoman so what i love about dunkirk is that it's just so immersive it's, it is no I, I, yeah. and i'm not saying it's a bad movie i the things that Hans Zimmer did with the score for that is insane. Mm, mama. Um, 
but it's just not necessarily something that I would rewatch and rewatch. Like I've done with like Inception or The Dark Knight, where it's like those two movies I've seen so many times. I feel like Memento is very rewatchable. That's a definite one uh, top spot for me. Uh, mm. But he does really like to play with time, doesn't he? Yeah, time is all over his films. I can respect that. Even like, um, even The Dark Knight has a subtle like plot point that has to do with time and countdowns and. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, he always manages to find a way of 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 putting it in place. And Inception obviously has a lot to do with how we perceive time, where it's like every level of a dream is different. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I I enjoy I enjoy that for what it is. I do think people talk about Nolan so much because of the mainstream yeah. aspect of his filmmaking that it is, it's kind of like whatever. It's kind of like what happened to Tarantino. If, oh, if yes. I say so myself. Oh, yes. Uh, it's definitely there for, I, I'm just tired of him being brought up in conversation. Yeah, for sure. Mm. For sure. I get that. With that out of the way, congratulations for making it this far into the podcast. You poor, poor soul. Um, <laughs> If you, for whatever reason, want to hear more of our voices, make sure to subscribe, follow, and uh, follow us on Letterboxd or whatever. You know, there's a lot of platforms and places for you to see more of our faces or listen to our voices. We will see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, share this podcast with someone that you like or maybe someone you don't like. Just to annoy them. Yeah, be the change you want to be in the world. Wait, those don't go. No. No. Whichever you choose. Mm. (laughs) Thank you, Algat. This has been a lot of fun. I will see you next time. Thank you, Mao. It has uh, been a pleasure on, uh, on my part, likewise. Good luck with your move. Yes, next time my pride flag will be back and uh, it's not going to look so isolating. (laughs) The room is so empty. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fine. But I'm uh, I'm excited. Another good talk with more movies coming. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.